Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Trending with Timory here. It's great to be with you. I am so grateful to you if you have supported us this week, stuck with us listening while we're asking you to help support the work we're doing here at Relevant Radio. The news is in. You may have heard just a little bit ago, we barely just in time crossed the finish mark of our quarterly pledge drive, asking you to cover just those basic expenses for those next few months. And the news is in. $3 million, you helped make that happen, whether it was through your donation, your second, third donation, your prayers. We are so grateful. It's not too late to still donate. Although we set that benchmark at $3 million for the next three months that we needed, we do have a desire to grow. And that doesn't help us grow, just covering that, that $3 million. If we want to grow, if we want to buy new stations, get to more of the top markets across the nation, then we need you to give still. So if you can still give, it's not too late. Head over to relevantradio.com to give or just tap the banner on the app or you can give the good old-fashioned way. Uh, we love to hear from you. Take your prayer intentions and you can donate by calling 877-291-0123. That's 877-291-0123. Today on Trending is Dr. Susan Caldwell. She's a fertility and infertility specialist. She's a NAPRO medical doctor. And we're diving into a different season of fertility today here on Trending. We'll be discussing navigating family planning in perimenopause, that season that's less predictable and a season that can be a little more difficult to be open to life, perhaps, even though that's what the church calls us too, but also a season that needs great health and medical support. And so we'll dive into that in just a moment. But in gratitude for our needs being met, that $3 million, I'm asking you to join me in prayer and also pray that it might be on people's hearts to give just a little bit more today so that we can buy some additional radio stations here at Relevant Radio, coast to coast. So if you can join me in praying the Memorare, I would love to pray that with you for an end to abortion, especially as we begin our 40 Days for Life campaigns across the nation and across the world coming up next week. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. 
Inspired with this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy to take your questions today here on Trending with medical doctor Susan Caldwell. She's a specialist in fertility and infertility. If you have a question, we'll take them in just a few minutes here. I know we already have tons of questions that came in on social media before the program, whether it's navigating fertility, natural family planning, or that perimenopause season, the number is 888-914-9149. A season that's difficult when it comes to family planning is perimenopause. I hear weekly from women and husbands who are trying to navigate this season. We're in a season that might be difficult to be open to life because there may be a medical concern, there may be more children, or just unexpected. Also, this cultural pressure that women are, quote, geriatric women, which I want to discuss in just a moment, but it's tough. A woman's body is less predictable. Fertile and infertile signs are a little less predictable. And the season's changing. It's difficult. Dr. Susan Caldwell is going to join me. And before we dive into the medical side of the perimenopause season and sound Catholic and medical information, this is Catholic healthcare. And so we have to touch on the truth of the church's teaching. And the church teaches very clearly that every marital act, every conjugal act is meant to be have two elements, both the unitive and the procreative side. That means that it's for the union of the spouses, uh, male and female, and that it's for the benefit of them, but also for procreation, for begetting new life. Now, that doesn't mean that every time someone engages in intimacy, a baby has to come. It's actually not how God ordained the body to function. That's why we're diving into the issue of natural family planning, uh, specifically NAPRO technology today. Now, the church's teaching on this is pretty clear. There may be a, quote, serious reason that a couple might need to take recourse to infertile parts of a woman's cycle and abstain during fertile times if for a serious reason the couple needs to stay. Now, this is a difficult issue because uh, we're not taking a deep dive into the morality of it today, but it's important that each couple discerns what if there is a serious reason. And culpably before God, as married couples, you're meant to be prayerful and open to God's will. And that's not always easy. Now, serious reasons don't include, quote, I'm too old or don't want a baby right now. In fact, if we just look at examples from the the Old Testament and the New Testament, Sarah and Abraham, Genesis chapter 17, right there at the beginning of salvation history, Abraham laughs, but God tells them that he's going to be blessed with a child even in their old age. They actually say 100 years old. Is that true or is that just letting us know that we're called to be open to life even in old age and see the blessing? Elizabeth and Zechariah also advanced in years as we read about in Luke 1, we actually see that Zechariah was punished for questioning God and not believing when God sent his angel as a messenger to share with him that they were going to have a baby. That would be John the Baptist. And so we see that there's a humbling dose of reality when it comes to the gifted children in less than ideal or even expected season. So diving into perimenopause today here on Trending and being open to life or just navigating that season medically is a medical doctor, Dr. Susan Caldwell. Dr. Caldwell, can you start for those who might not know what perimenopause is of explaining what it is? And then we'll start to dive into some of the nitty gritty of it that I think is really, really beneficial. 
So as a woman grows, right, in her, in her childhood, she's not at all fertile, then puberty comes, um, and that is a time of transition where she goes from not ovulating ever to practicing and getting good at ovulating. You know, this is all happening in the background, of course. But then she reaches her peak reproductive years from somewhere in her early 20s to about age 35. And we know from looking at large numbers of women um, that after age 35, we go into what some have called a second puberty because it's another transition time where a woman goes from ovulating almost every single month, uh, as long as she's healthy, to ovulating less and less and less until the last period. Um, and that la- we never know when that's actually going to come. Exactly, we don't know. We, there are signs that when a woman's paying attention, but um, we call menopause where w- when a woman has gone a year since her last period. So the time from about 35 until, until really a woman's last period, um, and then until she can confidently say it's been a year, um, then we call that the perimenopause. So that season where cycles are changing bodies, preparing for new seasons in life. And the question is, and I think most people know, but you are still fertile during the season, correct? Correct. Correct. But again, um, you start to ovulate fewer and fewer times. Like, you know, um, it's so variable for each woman. And that's why, you know, it's it's a time when if a woman hasn't learned her cycle, it's really important to learn her cycle to know when she's ovulating because, you know, a lot of health challenges come for women at that time too. Um, And so those health challenges can also cause her not to ovulate. So I, you know, I remember seeing someone recently who I diagnosed with prediabetes um, and she wasn't sure if this was her we we still you know we're still working on it to see you know how much of this is her is kind of an illness um this irregular um her body's you know not able to process sugar or maybe getting too much sugar in her diet and carbs or is this her body naturally kind of um you know going through this natural process and that's where it gets frustrating for women because we like answers um this is why so many women you know unfortunately have recourse to birth control because birth control gives them some sense of control and they like to have a quote unquote regular period and things like that. So we can kind of run into that in perimenopause too, where there looks like things, things might look like they're getting out of control. You know, she might have um, more uh, irregular bleeding. She might not see her usual signs of ovulation um, and she's going to start questioning what's wrong with my body. And so that's where it, where a woman needs to really tune into her body and then with some sort of a, a fertility awareness appreciation method um, and just know, hey, because it's a health record too. It's not just about getting pregnant or not getting pregnant. It's a way for a woman to know that her body is working well. And then if she's, you know, if she has a good t- a charting teacher or a good doctor to go to, then she'll have a nice support team to help her know where, when there is a health problem or if this is just a part of her transition. 
I love that you mentioned the significance of these biomarkers, that even if your charting has nothing to do with being aware with regard to whether or not you're fertile for the sake of having children or for as serious reasons as the church teaches, you might need to put a hold on that. Um, What's neat is, like you said, you were able to help see that, oh, there's actually signs of diabetes. There are signs of other health issues. And for me, uh, when I started doing some of the NAPRO tracking through natural family planning, uh, I ended up finding out that I had Hashimoto's disease and polycystic ovarian syndrome. And that was part of what helped. And that's what helped also in us having children because we were able to diagnose this, see that something was off in the charts start doing some blood work to test and unpack these really important topics and issues with regard to our bodies and see those key signs that can be really helpful, even just signs of stress, food, even how exercise or lack of exercise might be impacting the body. Now, in this season of life, as you mentioned, it's usually the season of about 35 years until someone goes through menopause. I often hear women referred to as geriatric moms. In fact, I have tons of friends and even family members who are scared of having babies during the season because they hear that word geriatric mom thrown around, which, Dr. Caldwell, it always astounds me that we hear that so often when everyone's quick to go and do in vitro fertilization after 35 years old. But if you want to try and have a baby naturally, there's criticism from the medical community today. Can you help in setting a little bit of the record straight with regard to the label of geriatric women and just sound medical thoughts on this? Mm-hmm. You know, I think the reason why they use that term or the term advanced maternal age, or even they just go ahead and say you're high risk, you know, because yes. of it's 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 scary um and it doesn't need to be scary it really doesn't need to be scary but the way they the reason why they they say it is because they want a woman to know that having a baby older than 35 comes with it some increased risk to the baby and the mom and that's just a fact of life you know as we get older we tend to our our health tends to not be as good as it was before so i mean in a sense it's not saying anything new um but remember too that obgyn is a a, a specialty that's very very concerned about preventing um bad outcomes and lawsuits too so some of this is in a sense just a way for them to you know, just keep expectations in a certain, I mean, so it's, it's just a formality, I guess, in a sense. Um, and yes, we do have more, you know, um, risk for genetic defects and miscarriage. I mean, we could go on and on and on and on. And, you know, we don't need to live in fear. God is control in control of all of this. And there's no other time in our life, uh, you know, other, this is, this is, it just, it brings to a kind of a, a point in this beautiful season of, of, of fertility and all this, that God is God and we are not. Mm-hmm. It's just so clear whether a couple's trying to avoid pregnancy or a couple is trying to have a baby or there's a, there's a lot of fear. It's just a time that we really need to grow in our understanding that we don't have control over everything and we do need to depend on our loving good God and we we need to listen to the science we need to listen to our doctors but at the same time the the greatest truth 
comes from our faith in God who loves us and created all of this, you know, including, you know, the, the life that may or may not come from each marital embrace. I have a friend who was in that season of later 30s and she had gotten pregnant. There had been a big gap between some of her older children and what ended up being her baby that she had in her later 30s. And she said, you know what? I've never felt better and healthier. She said, I had a baby when I was in a really healthy season in life. I had recovered and gotten really fit and was in a good place after having my older children. And she said, I knew what I was doing. I was more familiar with the pregnancy. My body went through the rhythm of everything and it was the easiest pregnancy. And so not that that's what is promised to everyone, not that pregnancy is easy forever. My sister's pregnant right now. It's her third baby, and she has really, really tough pregnancies. Uh, she's sick the whole time. And so, again, mm. not that that's what it will be like for everyone, but I think that that fear-mongering is so prevalent today. And as you mentioned, you know, they are watching out for their best interests or trying to, you know, kind of cover their butts medically as mm -hmm. well now. Let's talk a little bit about reasons to utilize NAPRO and NFP during the perimenopause season. One of the things I often hear from people uh, who are concerned about this season, maybe they're for a serious reason, need to avoid having children. And so they're using marital abstinence during fertile times, honoring the church's teaching. Uh, but they say NFP doesn't work. And mm. I always find it interesting. I would love to hear your thoughts that when I really talk to them, they've actually never really practiced NFP. They've never taken a course. They've never mm -hmm. worked with an instructor. They've never really gotten to know the biomarkers of their body. And so I say, mm -hmm. well, that's not really true. You can't say that NFP doesn't work. But then the argument is thrown mm -hmm. back, but my body's not showing the same signs that it used to. So can you dive into this? Mm -hmm. Is this... Does NAPRO technology work for people who are in the perimenopause season? And if so, how does that work? Mm -hmm. So let's just remember, <clears throat> just to clarify for people who may not have tuned in before, NAPRO technology is a medical um, kind of program of diagnosing and treating conditions that someone is having, a woman is having trouble with her cycle. Um, but the Creighton model is the, the tracking method where a woman observes primarily the sign of her mucus and the pattern of the mucus and the bleeding and the dry days. And, and, and we, by looking at tracking all that and teaching her all that, um, she's able to then, as she moves forward, of course, know when her fertile window, but also she can see when things are going off, you know, um, off the, the normal pattern and she could bring that to the attention of someone like me, a napper doctor. So that's that. But so many women, like they don't like Creighton for whatever reason, you know, for, because it doesn't, but maybe they have continuous mucus and they can't really tell the difference between the different mucus. So then they have the Marquette model and the couple to couple league and all these wonderful methods. But like you said, they might be, you know, very, very comfortable checking their temperature with the symptothermal method. But then they, they start to have anovulatory cycles. That means cycles when they don't ovulate and all of a sudden they can't depend on the temperature, right? Or, you know, the, the, if they don't ovulate, she might have very short cycles and wonder what's going on with that. So at that point, a woman might need to go back to her teacher or go to a doctor like me who kind of has a sense of, of, of the, you know, the big picture, right? When she really might only have a sense of, oh, I just know my temperature or I just know my mucus or I just know my urine hormones. And she might have to learn a different way. 
and to help someone, some, find someone to help her gain perspective about what this season of life, what's happening in her body, to have a renewed understanding of this. Because there is a temptation to see things going haywire, start freaking out, and then go to the OBGYN who says, oh, we'll just put an IUD in. Oh, we'll just do a tubal. Oh, just get a vasectomy, right? And, and, it, and, it, and it kind of promising them this quote-unquote easy way out of this distress. But we do not want this because this distress is a place for us to grow. Grow in relationship with her husband, to grow in communication, to grow in knowledge of her body. So it can be a very destabilizing time, right? At the same time, she might be having daughters who are going through puberty and feel and, and parents who are sick. And you know, there's, it can be overwhelming, but it doesn't need to be when you find the help. But I, I think, you know, the, the comment you said about um, people who aren't really using NFP, um, I think it's, it, I don't know if it's pride or something, you know, I'll see, I'll see somebody will come help to help me and I'll, I'll say, okay, now listen, we really need to start tracking with great, you know, intensity, these signs that you have, because we're really looking for, you know, m- reasons why, you know, your problems are happening. And the woman will say, oh, I am tracking, here's my app, right? And what people need to understand is, you know, I, I like to say, well, well, that's good, you know, but, but think of it like math. There's a big difference between learning addition and subtraction and learning calculus, right? So when we're using a method like Creighton, where it's a diagnostic tool, we need to really, you know, beef up our skills. We need someone to help us to get more, you know, advanced. So it's kind of an advanced tool. Not that it's hard to learn like calculus because, you know, um, calculus, I'm sure, is, is terribly hard. I never had to learn it, thanks be to God. But <laughs> um, but it is a very standard and objective way of looking at the woman's cycle. And some some women think that because they've paid attention to like knowing when they they have a period every month, some women think that's equivalent to natural family planning or some sort of a, a mm-hmm. scientific mm-hmm. method, but it's not. Right, right. And there's so many elements to those biomarkers and it's challenging. It takes time and it, I'll be really frank. Maybe you haven't been a fan of doing natural family planning and the crate method because it grosses you out. I get it. It grossed me out. I'm not going to go deeper into that side of it, but it, <laughs> it takes some getting used to and it's working at a certain point. It does become natural. You get used to it. It's familiar for you. And I tease a friend of mine. She has had seven children in a very short period of time. And she, we were talking and she's, you know, needing to recover now. Her body's feeling pretty worn. She needs to be able to really be present to her children and being healthy is part of that. And we're talking about NFP and she kind of started to say, yeah, well, it doesn't work. And I was teasing her. I said, no, you never actually use natural family planning. And not mm-hmm. that she needed to, but I said, you've never really like studied it. You've never gone into it. You've seen a few articles and you've read them because admittedly that's what she said. And she kind of tried and dabbled but really didn't have the training, didn't have the mentorship. I didn't have necessarily her husband on board working on on knowing what natural family planning is. And so she's in this season of, okay, maybe I really do need to take the time to go back and learn. And you mentioned like pride might be a little bit of part of that. And if you think about it, someone's had two, five, seven children, whatever it is, you tend to think, okay, I know my body. But at the mm-hmm. same time, this is what's I think so riveting about the topic of what's been labeled natural family planning. I think we could use other names for it because it really is women's medicine and women's health that 
we should be no aware of all of these biomarkers, not just for the sake of fertility, but for health in general, because our cycles are signs of a healthy body. And when our bodies mm-hmm. are cycling correctly, that's a sign that something's out of whack. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So we need to widen our perspective to think of this as a way of understanding our health. Right. That's amazing. Yes. Yes. So Dr. Caldwell, what are some resources for people who are in this season of PR menopause? I know you're saying, hey, NFP does work. You need to work with the different trainings and work to get to know your body more for whatever reason, whether it's medical or as a church teaches, if you do have a serious reason to avoid pregnancy for a season by having recourse to infertile times and abstaining during fertile seasons. What are resources to help people navigating the season? Do they just go to normal Creighton trainings? What does this look like? Mm-hmm. Well, I think just if anybody hears this who might be in their early 30s, you know, to start using some method with some teaching involved. That way, at least you start to know what your body's rhythms are without, you know, before things start to go kind of off the rails, you know, with, and get irregular. But once they are <laughs> change, starting to change. get irregular. You're not necessarily off the rails, right? <laughs> well, you know, it can, see, it can oh, no. feel like that. But, and, and just, this is just, I'm going to answer the question, but I just want to say something really important that the first sign that a woman is starting to go into menopause, actually, it's very subtle, is her cycle length from the period, one period to the next period, normally about 28 days, it will start to shorten a little bit. Instead of 28 days, it might be 25 or 26 days. Very, very, very subtle. So that's kind of interesting because people start to think it might be very dramatic when they start to go into perimenopause, but it actually isn't. So when a woman starts to see, hmm, my cycles used to be, 28 to 30 days and now they're 25, 26 and I'm 38. That's the time to start paying close attention. Okay, what's going on here? And then depending on, you know, how much help they're going to need, they can reach out to a teacher. I will say um, there's a new resource that I learned of by a, a woman named Christina Valenzuela. She, her website is pearlandthistle.com. She just created, she's a Catholic um, woman, a mom, and she just created a um, kind of a um, course, that's the word I'm looking for, a course for um, for women in perimenopause to learn about the, the cycle and, and men, the couple. Um, and I would really point people to that resource because there's a lot of good science behind it. And there's also some one-on-one, you know, um, mentoring that they can do. So I'm excited about that because that's really the most exciting science-based um, way for women to, to understand what's going on. I love it. That's pearlandthistle.com. That's pearlandthistle.com. Medical doctor Susan Caldwell is with me now. If you have a question about fertility, infertility, perimenopause, and navigating all of this, the phone number is 888-914-9149. Or you can ask the question now with Dr. Caldwell. Hurry and get in. We have lots of questions that are sliding in, especially on social media. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 
If you didn't hear our news, it's very exciting. We've been in the midst of our winter pledge drive, needing $3 million just to cover basic operating expenses over the next few months here. And we did it. You did it through your prayer and your donations. Thank you. It's not too late to still donate. Every extra penny helps to go to growing Relevant Radio, to buying new radio stations. So if you can still give, you can give online at relevantradio.com. Tap the banner on the app. Or you can also call to donate. That way works too. The phone number is 877-291-0123. And we are so grateful if you've donated this week, truly. And a shout out to some people who over just last few minutes have donated. Helena, Bonnie, Diane, Barbara, thank you for supporting us. An anonymous donor in South Milwaukee just gave $5,000, first time gift to Relevant Radio. Thank you to Barbara, who just gave for the first time from Paso Robles, California. We're so grateful. It's overwhelming to see each name that comes in as we pray for you. We pray for your intentions that you send our way to hear your stories about how perhaps Relevant Radio has really changed your life. Thank you. And a big thank you as well to Dino, William, and Ken, and Charles, who have just donated as well. Not too late to donate, relevantradio.com or the Relevant Radio app. Again, one more time, that phone number to give is 877-291-0123. And another reason to give is because every dollar you give is actually matched. We still have a couple donors who said, if you give, I will give. So if you give $500, I will also give $500 or $50 or five, whatever you give. Joining me now is a medical doctor, Dr. Susan Caldwell. She's a natural physician specializing in women's health, fertility, and infertility especially. And the questions are rolling in. Laura asked online, I'm in my 20s and was recently diagnosed with PCOS, that's polycystic ovarian syndrome, after getting married. I've been prescribed letrozole to try and get pregnant. Is this healthy and safe? If not, what should I be doing? Okay, so that's very common. So letrozole is an ovulation-inducing pill that is taken around the time of a woman's period that kind of helps her boost ovulation. So it depends, of course. Um, It's probably being given by an OBGYN who is not aware of how the cycle is Uh, kind of works. Um, And so PCOS is kind of this umbrella term for uh, kind of the way that the cycles maybe aren't regular, but it really depends on what type of PCOS and what the abnormalities in the labs are. So it's hard to answer the question without knowing Laura's particular metabolic problem. So for example, is it because her, her testosterone is too high or her insulin's too high or Is it because of stress and DHEA is high? Because we really want anybody who's having problems ovulating, the more precise we can be about the diagnosis of that and the reason why she's not ovulating well, the better we can treat. So some women will respond well to to letrozole and may even get pregnant. But um, I I don't do that um, without first checking the progesterone levels and looking at the chart. You know, again, I would really recommend charting your cycles with a Creighton if possible um, and looking at that because um, if progesterone levels aren't well managed, um, then you could end up with a higher risk of miscarriage. So 
Um, it, it's not a bad thing to do, but it may not be the best thing to do for every single woman with PCOS. One of my questions with letrozole, can that cause ovarian hyperstimulation? I have never seen it done. It's very, very mild. Um, usually the hyperstimulation comes from the injectable um, follicle stimulating hormone analogs. Um, I've never seen it happen with letrozole. I guess theoretically it's possible, um, but especially when you're, we're using NAPRO, what's, what I think is beautiful about that is because we're looking at the luteal phase, which is the part of the cycle after ovulation, um, and, and not just the part of the cycle before ovulation where letrozole is used, when you treat both sides of the cycle, you don't have to give as much of that stimulating drug. So I've personally never seen any of my patients have ovarian hyperstimulation because when we're kind of shoring up all of the deficits in the hormonal, you know, cascade, we don't need to be that heavy handed in the front part of the cycle with letrozole. But I do use it, but it's always in conjunction, you know, with treating the, the other half of the cycle as well. So it sounds like if you're seeing just a mainstream OBGYN and you've been given letrozole, there's some hesitancy there because you really need a balanced approach to the hormones on both sides of the cycle. And there is risk when that isn't balanced out. Now, a follow-up question from Laura. What if there's no cycle for taking progesterone? So she's taking letrozole, but there really isn't a cycle and she's being told to take progesterone, but it doesn't quite seem right. She said she's going to just an OBGYN who's not a fertility specialist and also not yeah. a napro doctor like yourself. Right. And then the other thing that I've seen is sometimes they don't give the natural version of progesterone, um, which should be called Prometrium or progesterone and never medroxyprogesterone. Um, uh, that one is not going to really help sustain the lining and help with pregnancy, but it might, you know, st kind of keep the lining um, kind of at a at a, a low, unhealthy kind of level or thickness. Um, and so, you know, you have to just remember OBs don't really learn a lot about fertility medicine, nor do they learn about menopause. You know, they, they, their, their whole residency is very focused on delivering babies. So they're not learning how to balance and manage hormones. They're not learning how to help people to get pregnant um, in, with any, if there's very sh like p protocols like you're, you're mentioning, you know, hey, just give them letrozole, try Clomid, try this, try that. Um, but often they quickly refer on to a fertility clinic where they just, you know, kind of offer them very expensive treatments that aren't very effective and aren't um, restoring health to the woman, unfortunately. It's a good push, again, for seeing a NAPRO physician. You can find NAPRO physicians online and posting links if you need to see one virtually because there's not one in your area. We're including a link to My Catholic Doctor for a directory of Creighton specialists who meet virtually. But also we're posting a link as well on social media and in the episode notes for today's show. So be sure to share this with someone who's maybe in that perimenopause season or struggling with fertility because these are excellent resources along with Dr. Caldwell's website you can find her at doctor or drsusancaldwell.com is it dr or doctor dr yes drsusancaldwell.com we'll post the link on social media ashley said my 35 year old friend is trying to conceive she has been trying for three years the doctor says everything is normal but there's still no baby how can i support her oh yes that's awesome that's that's a great question so there's something wrong, right? Because um, after, you know, 
six months or even a, well, most of the time it's one year of trying um couples are told we need to look for a, an underlying cause so it's time to do a more deep dive into what is wrong so you know again i feel like we're it's a commercial for creighton but um, if you can find her a creighton model teacher to start charting her cycles the teacher can find her if needed a napro doctor sometimes just charting the cycles with a teacher you can see something very simple that needs to be addressed so i've seen this with um just needing more mucus support you know, if there's not enough mucus for the sperm and egg to meet. So we, you know, t- the teachers will often recommend mucinex or something called N-acetylcysteine um, for mucus support. Uh, but, you know, at, the, at her age, at 35, I really wouldn't wait. Um, I really think she needs to be, to start charting and to see a, a fertility specialist like a NAPRO specialist. That's a great question. I was actually just talking to a friend. She's 35 years old hasn't been able to have babies, struggling with PCOS. And it's this kind of moment of, well, what do I do? There are so many, I think, approaches to take. There's a NAPRO physician. There is starting to work on treating PCOS, perhaps naturally with a naturopath. What would you do if you were in that season of life wanting to have babies and haven't had any yet? And you're in, you're 35. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. with the cost of it. Can I just throw that out there? Because that's what I'm hearing from a lot of people, Dr. Caldwell. I don't mean to jump in, but some yeah. people can't afford to do it all. When, when you say the cost of it all, you mean the cost of NAPRO or? Cost of NAPRO or the cost of the expensive eating or maybe the supplements. Yes. It gets expensive and people just at a certain point, they're like, yeah. I want a child so bad, but the expense right. for treatment. I mean, whether because I know I don't know if you do, but a lot of physicians do heavy metal detoxes they do blood work and some physicians just aren't covered by your insurance and so a lot of people who desperately want to have children are having to pay out of pocket for everything from napro or naturopathic medicine as well and surgeries by the way i mean if you add that in there Uh, yeah and you know this is this is all to the couple's discernment but you know i just want to as a person who has you know, gone down the IVF route, right? This is me. <laughs> so, you know, I just want to remind people that when we're talking about doing a restorative approach, right? So, so for example, I'm constantly telling people that they have vitamin D deficiency, that they have thyroid disorders, that they have um, very low iron levels, um, they have insulin resistance. All of these things that we're finding, if we do not address them, it's going to be very expensive health-wise later. Do you know what I mean? Like they're going to be, they're going to have a lot of health costs down the road because uh, it's easier to treat a problem when it's little than when it is full on diabetes and the kidneys are failing. You know what I mean? So what what I love about the work that I get to do is that I'm able to to show people there's a problem when there's actually something we can do to prevent a whole you know, bad course of health down the road. Whereas with IVF, that's not true, right? So the, with IVF, they're shortcutting, you know, let's get a baby, let's come on, let's do this. And meanwhile, the woman's health is being totally ignored. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we do need to think about that. But man, if, if, if that person can be told, listen, you have a sensitivity to gluten, you really shouldn't have gluten. 
um, sh- you know, there are ways it, you can, you, there are ways to adjust your budget to have gluten-free, you know, shop at different grocery stores that are cheaper and things like that. But you're right, it is a burden. It can be a burden. But to really take care of ourselves in any stage of life, it's, it can be really <laughs> a burden to really uh, give ourselves good care. So you're saying work on it. It's so important. What would you, would you go to a naturopath, right? Or sorry, and a naturopath right away. Would you go the route of starting mm. to work with a napro doctor right away? Because I've heard, and I'm just thinking of a couple of friends of mine who are in the season. I've heard a couple of my friends be told by a napro doctor, like I'm doing everything I can to just help you get that baby. And sometimes there's that concern mm-hmm. of, well, what about healing? What's going on with me? That's causing that infertility. Yes. And yes, I think they're different napro doctors like yourself who have different approaches i know you're a little more holistic on that side can you give advice into Mm -hmm. that mindset of the rush versus the treatment for the woman's body so when i meet a woman i'll i'm going to listen to her whole body complaints right it's not just about having a baby if i can tell that she's not ovulating in a, in a healthy way and my initial intake labs were more or less okay I might send her to a naturopath right away or if she has a lot of gut problems because as you may have heard, all health starts in the gut. So if she's got terrible gut problems, pain or diarrhea or constipation, there's a good chance that we have a significant, you know, microbiome dysfunction or we have a problem with the diet sensitivities and things like that. So I'm not really going to mess around too much with those people or anybody who just is sick, you know, chronic rashes, chronic headaches, things that are just not obvious why this might be happening. Or, you know, I find women who have sleep disorders and, and sleep apnea actually. And that's a huge reason why some women don't ovulate. So if I see something that's clearly a part of her body that's kind of crying for help, I will send her to a specialist or a naturopath to dig deeper than I can do. I'm not just going to give her progesterone and, you know, a thyroid hormone when there's something I can see clearly much deeper. But many women are just coming in, they feel good, they have energy, they, they're fine, they're just not getting pregnant. For those women, it might be just be a little bit of a tweaking of her hormones and, you know, fine-tuning. But if a woman has lots of symptoms, she's going to need more than fine-tuning in most cases. And I love your humility in that. I was talking to you earlier this morning and I respect so much that you see, okay, this is out of part of my scope of practice. I'm going to refer out. I'm going to wait to really work and treat you and focus on the baby if these are some of the areas that need to be addressed. So I yeah. thank you for coming on today, Dr. Caldwell. I know so many more questions are coming on, but we would love to have you back on again soon. If you don't, if you want to find Dr. Susan Caldwell, she has a website. Uh, she practices in New Orleans, which by the way, big exciting weekend to be there this weekend with Mardi Gras coming up so a happy Mardi Gras to you Dr. Caldwell but she loves it if you want to find a fertility doctor a napro fertility doctor that honors the body and you can find them at fertilitycare.org I'm posting a link to find a physician or if you're looking for one virtually because there isn't one in your area you can check out there and I'll just add the caveat because we didn't get into it 
Dr. Caldwell, you shared your story here on Trending about having gone through with in vitro fertilization and the damage to the body, damage to relationships. Um, and I just want to throw that in there. If you're wondering, oh, you guys mentioned IVF. We don't just object to it because it's bad for the body. It's bad for the soul. It's bad because it includes abortion. And although Dr. Caldwell has shared her testimony here about having been through it, she says that she would never recommend it for anyone. And so if you'd like to hear a little bit about Dr. Caldwell's story as well, I'm including a link on social media to where she shares a little bit about her IVF journey as well. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Coming up next week as we kick off the next liturgical season, of Lent on Ash Wednesday, which is the 14th of February, being St. Valentine's Day. We are also seeing the kickoff of 40 Days for Life campaigns across the nation. Now, I absolutely love 40 Days for Life. If you don't know what 40 Days for Life is, you need to know. I'll share that with you in just a moment. But first, a huge thank you to every single one of you who has supported us here at Relevant Radio. This week, we've been fundraising to just cover our basic operating expenses over the next three months. We had a need of $3 million, and praise the Lord, a couple hours ago, we achieved that goal, and every extra dollar that goes past that helps to grow the network, helps us to buy radio stations in other cities across the country. So if you would like to join a part of the Relevant Radio mission and grow Relevant Radio, help to reach more souls, please donate online, relevantradio.com. You can still tap the banner on the app to give, or you can donate as well, calling the good old-fashioned way. We like that way too. The phone number to donate is one 291 0123. That's 877-291-0123. And thank you if you just donated. Suzanne just gave, um, Michael just gave in El Cajon, California, another first time gift, a second gift this week, anonymously from San Diego, California. We had Al just given Lodi, California. Lodi, California's really coming through right now. Uh, lots of donations coming in from Illinois as well. A couple anonymous donations. Patty in Wisconsin and Linda in Colorado just gave as well, and Giovanna in Philadelphia. Thank you for supporting the work we're doing here at Relevant Radio. We're so grateful. We would not be able to continue on this mission without you, and we're praying for you and praying for your intentions as you send those in to us. As I mentioned, you're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Coming up this Wednesday is a kickoff of the next 40 Days for Life campaign. Now, if you don't know what 40 Days for Life is, it is a peaceful vigil outside of perhaps your local abortion clinic with prayer warriors standing out on the sidewalk praying for an end to abortion praying for the workers to leave the abortion industry, praying for the women who are pregnant and struggling and considering having an abortion, coming for appointments, as well as for their babies. It is a very holistic approach to the pro-life movement because if you stand out there, if you've ever stood out there on a sidewalk in front of an abortion clinic, you know that you were the last last barrier between that child's life being ended, that baby being ripped to pieces or chemically aborted. And that's why we stand. We stand there so that women know we care enough to intervene. We stand there if they want to come and talk, ask questions, look for other resources and options. We stand there even if you never speak to them. Often you don't, but they know and they see you standing there knowing that you care. That's pretty incredible. I was just listening to a story 
earlier today. Uh, awesome, awesome story. In Colorado, uh, there were a couple people outside of the abortion clinic in Greeley, Colorado, the Planned Parenthood there, and a utility truck driver rolled down his window and called out to the people praying in front of the abortion clinic. And he said, hey, I just wanted to let you know that our baby just turned a year old because you were standing out here. Now, they started to calculate it back, and that was because they had a 40 Days for Life prayer vigil in front of the Greeley, Colorado Planned Parenthood, and no one remembers or has shared the story about them having come and talk to the people who were praying out in front of the abortion clinic, but what we do know is that this utility truck driver and... The mother of his baby, I don't know if they're married, unmarried, I don't know the circumstances, but that they have a baby who's a year old now because people like you said yes to standing in front of that abortion clinic and peacefully and prayerfully praying. If you've never prayed in front of an abortion clinic, I know it might sound like a big leap. It might sound startling or scary. Get this, you're standing on a public sidewalk, a public sidewalk that For many people, they don't even know that there's an abortion clinic there. Some people do if they're familiar with companies that kill babies, such as Planned Parenthood. But here's the deal. Your local community, in fact, 656 cities worldwide starting this Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, will be kicking off campaigns of 40 days of praying for an end to abortion, 40 days of praying for the people who work there, for the women who come to that clinic. If you'd like to get involved, head over to the number 40, that's 40daysforlife.com, 40daysforlife.com. I prayed in front of the abortion clinics, in fact, since I was a baby with my mom, who I grew up by her side when she was doing pro-life work, and I love 40 Days for Life. They started running these campaigns back in 2007. I've been able to run campaigns when I was in the San Diego area, and it's incredible, incredible, the things that happen when we trust in God and stand up and do something, and how peacefully. I'm not asking you to go stand up in front of people and shout that you're pro-life. All you're doing is standing there praying humbly, peacefully, praying your rosary. I'll be joining tomorrow down in San Diego, uh, people praying out on the sidewalk in front of the abortion clinic. We're going to have a rally kicking off our 40 Days for Life campaign. Uh, If you're in the area, I'd love to see you. And it's an opportunity to be there and see other like-minded people who also believe that life is sacred and worth protecting and that we need to stand up and speak up for life. Oh, I'll take some time as my my kids out there. I've not done it since I've had my second. I usually go by myself now, uh, but I'll go. I used to go all the time with my first daughter. We just go and walk back and forth, even if no one else was there in front of the abortion clinic. Back and forth, just quietly praying my rosary. I'd have it in my pocket since I was alone, and you never know. Just the fact that you're standing out there walking back and forth in front of the abortion clinic with a baby in a stroller, and there are women driving up who are considering an abortion who are driving there for an abortion, you have no idea. That woman could be looking and going, oh, that could be me. That could be me there pushing that stroller. That could be my baby. And they start to imagine and visualize what it would be like to have a child. I I think that these examples are important, and we need to be there in front of the abortion clinic. If and when you are, you are the last person intervening for the life of that baby and the life of that mother. I'm not diving today into the aftermath that abortion causes. 
we know we know the impact of abortion it is so devastating for women if you have been through an abortion and you need some healing because if you have had an abortion you know how detrimental it is and how long-term that impact is please go to this resource supportafterabortion.com that's supportafterabortion.com and maybe you know someone who's really hurting after having had that abortion whether it's been weeks or years decades even supportafterabortion.com is a great resource and pray pray that our lord gives that opportunity pray for the holy spirit to open that door that you might be able to pass on that resource it's an important one to have saved another a neat piece of information I wanted to share with you with regard to the effectiveness of these 40 Days for Life campaigns. Just since the overturning of Roe versus Wade, not even two years ago, in 2022, over 30 abortion clinics have closed just in the last year and a half where 40 Days for Life vigils were held. 30 abortion clinics closed, shut the doors, finito, done. That is a source that is out of the grace of God that is a mercy because of prayer and fidelity. Just look at some of these incredible stories, though. And I'm looking at these numbers. In the last, just since 2007, because of 40 Days for Life campaigns, people praying in front of the abortion clinic like yourself, 24,242 babies were saved from abortion. People who had appointments scheduled planning to go into the abortion clinic. 256 people who worked inside the abortion clinics left. They left. They no longer work in the abortion industry. In total, just since 2007, where 40 Days for Life campaigns have been, the fruit has been 148 abortion centers have closed. That is incredible news. It's something to celebrate, and it's a reason why we should be out there in front of the abortion clinics praying. There are results. And if you've always wanted to go, but you're a little afraid, this is what's great about 40 Days for Life. You go two by two to pray. And as God says, where more than one person is gathered to pray, God is really there. He's answering those prayers. He hears the prayers, especially when we come together, imploring him to transform the hearts and minds of the women who are pregnant, those who are supporting them or not supporting them so that they do. So I hope you'll be involved in a 40 Days for Life campaign this Lent. You can check them out at 40daysforlife.com. That's 40daysforlife.com. We're posting a link on social media. Maybe I'll see you out there on the sidewalk this weekend as well.